Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, does Bruce Arians really want to re-recruit Deshaun Jackson? That report surfaced this weekend. We'll tell you what is true, what is false about that. We had a chance to meet three of the Bucks' assistant coaches on Friday, including Todd Bowles. You'll hear from some of them. And the NFL championship games are set. All four home teams advanced, just like I said they would. It'll be the Rams at New Orleans in the NFC, and the Patriots will visit the Chiefs in the AFC championship games. We'll break down all the playoff action over the weekend. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, they came from behind to beat Buffalo on Saturday. Then they laid an egg against the Islanders on Sunday. Victor Hedman leaves the game with another upper body injury, and he did not return. We've got all that and so much more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. Hey, you know what? If you've got a business and you'd like to advertise with this podcast, it's a new year, and we're looking for new customers. So, so many people have. They've seen results, and by advertising here, uh, your sponsorship will also be displayed in, in our newspaper with our promos for this podcast. You can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. So we'd love to have you join our team. Speaking of teams, uh, Steve, over the weekend, uh, this report surfaced by Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, and it was one that uh, certainly caught our attention, uh, and it was meant to. You know, he came out and he said that uh, Bruce Arians, I wish it was Schefter because then I could do his voice, right? Mm-hmm. According to my sources, Bruce Arians wants to really, but it was uh, it was Rappaport, and I can't do him. But uh, Arians wants to, uh, as a report went, re-recruit Deshaun Jackson for the 2019 season. And I went, really? I have a question. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he under contract? Exactly. Start there. Start with the fact that there's no recruiting needed because he can't play anywhere else. He has a contract with your team. So all you really have to do is just say, hmm, show up and pay him. And he's got to play because he can't play anyplace else. So you don't re-recruit a guy that's already in a contract. Now, uh, you know, the $10 million is not guaranteed. We know a couple things about Deshaun. Well, we know a lot of things about Deshaun Jackson. He's been here two years. They've already paid him $23.5 million that he has walked away with. And he has not matched, uh, you know, the production hasn't matched that investment. I mean, not all his fault. Certainly he couldn't connect with Jameis Winston. We know that. Um, The first year. The guy um, came in here, and and I think he thought that he was going to be the show. He found out that Mike Evans is the show, and and everything runs through him. He struggled a bit with uh, Winston early, and then his attitude, once once the season got away, the first time they went 5-11, his attitude was horrible. They had a horrible time with him at the end of the season. I've written about it. Um, You know, pretty much all year, he was kind of a bad example, falling asleep in meetings, not taking notes, got into a fight with Todd Munkin, his offensive coordinator, wouldn't was held out of practice one day, you know, on and on and on. And so they ended the season. He came back this year, had a good attitude. Um, They were kind of coddling him a little bit, not having him do much in practice, especially in training camp. Got off to an incredibly hot start, as did the team with Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
throwing deep balls to him on every play. And, uh, you know, he was leading the NFL and receiving, and they were winning, so everything was cool. And then the losing started. And then, worse yet for Deshaun, Jameis Winston came back and started playing quarterback. Uh, and then they lost more games. Deshaun wasn't interested, asked to be traded. Uh, remember before the game in Cincinnati on that weekend that the uh, trade deadline was approaching? They didn't trade him. Played a little bit more, got hurt against the Giants, played against San Francisco, had eight targets, three of them connected. The rest of them they missed badly on, even though he was open, and then he shut it down. Um, you know, I, look, I know he was injured. He had a legit thumb injury, but he already played with it against the 49ers. He didn't re-injure it that day. Didn't play for three weeks, came back against Dallas, then had another injury uh, to his Achilles, a strained Achilles, and, of course, didn't play in the final game. Sold his house, made it pretty clear – to everyone, I think, that, you know, he thought he had played his last game here. And then Arians pipes up, I guess, to somebody in Rappaport or someone and says, hey, not so fast. We'd kind of like to – we'd like Deshaun Jackson. We think we could do some things with our coaches, with our offense. And all of that is admirable. I'm sure Bruce Arians is a terrific play caller. I'm sure he can get Deshaun the ball. But you know what? From the last time I checked, Steve, they got the same quarterback. Isn't that a problem for both Winston and Deshaun? I would think so, unless, you know, something drastically changes with the coaching helps Jameis or they come up with more creative ways to get Deshaun the ball from Jameis. Perhaps. I mean, perhaps they can do that. I don't, you know, Jameis is not a good deep ball thrower. He hit him one time in two years. That was at Cincinnati, ironically, the day uh, that he had already asked for a trade. But I don't – I think that it creates undue pressure on Winston to get him the ball. I think Jameis struggled with taking shots that he didn't need to at times, um, and he just wasn't good at it. So, yeah, maybe maybe Bruce Arians is the best play caller on the planet and can find a way to get him going. Or maybe this is all a bunch of you-know-what, hogwash, because – Well, that's never happened in the NFL before. <laughs> well, let's just, let's just back up a second and say this. What else could Bruce Arians say about Deshaun Jackson if, if asked, do you want him on your team? Well, I since mean, he's under sir- contract, you'd, you'd have to say you want him on your team. Whether your plan is to get rid of him or not, Absolutely. you have to say that. Absolutely you do. And, and that is because the reason he's on your team, the fact that he's on your team and that he's under contract means he has what? Value. Until he doesn't have any value, he has potential value. And the potential value is he has good film, in some games, he can still run. He's going to be 32. I don't think the production matches the $10 million, which is not guaranteed. And here's the beauty of the Bucks situation if they really want to play this out, and I think they do. I think this is all about trading Deshaun Jackson. I'm just going to call it the way I see it. I, I, don't, I don't think for a minute. Now, maybe there's, maybe there's part of Bruce and his coaching staff that's intrigued by him. Look, certainly they could lose Adam Humphreys. Um, who's going to be a free agent and probably command somewhere around, I don't know, six, eight million dollars a year. So they could lose him. Uh, and so then you're looking at Chris Godwin and, and, you know, Mike Evans as your two main receivers, which isn't a bad place to start, but you don't have a slot receiver. You can still draft guys. You got Judson, Judson Watson, who's going to be a second year player that could take a bigger role. Um, you still have the two tight ends and Brayton OJ Howard. So you got five legitimate targets. Uh, but you lose the speed. You lose the ability to stretch the field like that, and uh, it's much easier to double Mike Evans in that situation and not have the off receiver. So um, maybe there is a part of Bruce Arians that's like, you know what, before we just chuck this guy, let's get him in our program, see if we can sell him on playing for us and, and that we can get him the ball, work with Jameis, maybe we can get him to throw a better deep ball, all that. 
there's a part of me that understands why a coach would want to keep Deshaun Jackson on his football team because I want to keep the best players I have. If I come in, I've always said this, if I come into the to a new team and they haven't won, okay, let's not start getting rid of my better players. I don't care what they have did before I got out here because, you know, as Arians has told everybody, clean slate, clean slate. Everybody gets a clean slate, and he's, a, he's the guy, you know, uh, the lord of second chances. We know that with Tyrone Matthew and the Honey Badger and all that stuff. So that being said, maybe he does want to see Deshaun Jackson in his OTAs. Good luck with that. Or in training camp, maybe. Many camp, possibly. Uh, and he can keep working on Deshaun, and maybe Deshaun will come around because they need him to. And the reason they need him to is they need him in preseason. They need him to play. Now, the problem with playing him in the preseason is if he gets hurt, guess what? You just owe the guy $10 million, and you don't have the player. And this is the part that makes no sense to me, Steve. This football team has needs, and I know you can't address all of them in free agency, but I'm not even talking about that. They're not in the best salary cap situation, and they've got guys they need to resign. How about Adam Humphreys? What if you could give that $10 million to Adam Humphreys or $8 million to Adam Humphreys? Would that be a better option with a younger player who knows his role, who was second on the team with 71 catches, absolutely reliable, the most consistent guy they've had outside of maybe Mike Evans? Would that be a better investment for the long term? Or you've also got to re-sign your left tackle, Donovan Smith. So let me get this straight. You're going to go into a season where your offensive line is not very good, and even though you have the fifth overall pick in the draft and may take a tackle, okay, you still you still don't have enough guys to play, not enough good ones anyway. So Donovan Smith, if he reaches free agency, guess what? He's going to be the number one left tackle in free agency, never missed a start, only missed a few plays in his in his entire four-year career. And no matter what you think of Donovan Smith, he's held up, for the most part, for a team that just set a franchise record for passing, okay? So that's not bad. So if you're gonna if Donovan Smith's gonna command twelve million dollars or so on the open market, thirteen is a franchise number, I think they're gonna probably franchise him. You know? So I don't think Donovan Smith is going anywhere, but you need thirteen million dollars to do that. Now there's gonna be some guys fall off, obviously, um, that are free, you know, they're gonna become free agents, guys that were big money guys. But and we still don't know about Gerald McCoy. You know, what about Gerald McCoy? What if, you know, Todd Bowles looks at this team and says, hey, I'm not ready to get rid of my best players either. I can still use Gerald McCoy, whether it's a 4-3 or 3-4 front. I can do some stuff with him because we're going to be penetrating. We're going to be bringing pressure. We're going to be up the field as opposed to what Mike Smith and company were doing. So there's $13 million that I got to keep. So, again, all the needs they have on defense, right, they're going to have to get corners. They don't have corners to play this defense if Bowles wants to play this pressure defense. I can't imagine that Deshaun Jackson – is, is somebody you want to invest $10 million in. But I think what, what we're, where we're headed here is they know he has trade value. And how do they know this? Because they got offers. And they didn't trade him, but they had offers for him. And so what they're hoping for is that there's a market. And the only way you can create a market is to make people think that you're not going to cut the guy. So you come out with a report that says, hey, New coach, new year, we want to re-recruit Deshaun Jackson. Sounds like a great idea. And everybody goes, oh, so he's not going to be out there in March. So what happens is everybody goes through first free agency, and if you need a receiver, he's not available. Then you go to the draft and say you're a team that needs a receiver, but it doesn't fall right, and you don't get that receiver in the draft. Okay, now you're a top team. You go into training camp, 
Maybe there's an injury. Maybe you just see what you got and you don't like it. But at some point, the Bucks are hoping their phone rings before they get to the start of the regular season. Um, again, you're rolling the dice. If Deshaun gets hurt at any point, you know, that salary's going to him whether he plays or not because he's, you know, he's a vested veteran. He's going to get the money. But in order for him to get the money, he has to be on the roster the first day of the regular season. So, you know, he has to be part of the 53. So they have a lot of time to sort of play this out and hope that somebody comes and gets them. I just can't imagine a team would pay $10 million for him. Well, here's the other part of this. And, look, we know the Buccaneers have a lot of needs. And if you look at 2018, their wide receivers and tight ends took up over 23% of their cap. Wow. They, were, they spent the most on wide receivers at $34 million in cap dollars last year. In mm. tight ends, they were eighth in the NFL at $10.7 million. Mm. Now, you look ahead to 2019, and you already know that Jameis is going to go up in, in value, but the wide receivers and tight ends under contract right now is still over 23% of the cap. Yeah, that can't, they can't maintain that. Adam Humphreys isn't in that mix if you want to resign he's not, him. Right, he's not in the mix, and neither is Donovan Smith, who's going to get a huge bump. You don't have a left tackle, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, and, and then you have, um, what are you doing with Quan Alexander? Is he coming back on your football team, even at a reduced yep. salary of some kind? Okay? So there's all these needs that you have on defense. You don't, you know, you got one safety who's, who was hurt. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, and then your quarterback position is going from, what, six, seven, eight million dollars to mm-hmm. $20.1 million. So you can't spend that much on offense with one of the worst defenses in the National Football League. I mean, they were terrible. According to Sport Track, you only have just under $9 million of cap space. Right now, that's true. Absolutely true. You know, you're going to create more, but Deshaun's part of the yeah. creating more well, business. It, and that's, that's $9 million of cap space without Donovan Smith. Right, without Donovan. He, already, yeah. he wipes that out completely. Sure, now you've got to cut. Have a, now you've got to cut. And, but, but you have to replace the guy. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you know, even if Donovan goes away, you're replacing him with what? You say, well, we can draft a rookie. Okay, so you draft a rookie. Who's your right tackle? Who's your right guard? You still need right guards and right tackles on this mm-hmm. team. There's nobody. You know, you say, Alex Kappa is my right guard? Okay, good luck with that because he couldn't get on the field last year till the end. I mean, these are all major problems. I mean, they, they have to improve their offensive line. Now let's talk about the running backs. Could they draft a guy? Sure. Could they get a free agent? Sure. But it's not a, it's not a solid position. they got to get Ronald Jones going again. That would be the easiest thing. There's just too many needs, but particularly on defense. I mean, I think that Arians is really confident about what he can do. I think he's putting way too much on Todd Bowles. And when we talked to Todd Bowles on Friday and we said, you know, Bruce Arians says that this is a quick fix, that, you know, mm-hmm. this is not a, a rebuild, it's a reload. He was like, yeah, you know, that's the difference between me and Bruce. He talks a lot and I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and basically he's saying, yeah, I, I'm not so sure that's the case here because I'm on this side of the ball. And on this side of the ball, now he hasn't gotten into the film and everything. And look, there are pieces, right? JPP had a great year, 12 and a half sacks. You know he's going to be 31 years old. Um, Gerald McCoy, we don't know what they're doing with, but boy, every bit of rhetoric that you hear when asked about Gerald McCoy, and they were, and, and even Arians was asked about that, I was like, yeah, you know, I just know we used to have a prepare for him, but, um, you know, there's a lot of evaluation that has to go on uh, with everybody. And, and no one will say anything except that, yeah, we get, you know, we got a lot of uh, decisions to make, and a lot of that's code for Gerald McCoy is not a slam dunk to be here. We all know it, he mm-hmm. knows it. Even though he's in the building when Arians had his press conference and he saw him, you know, I don't know if you saw Twitter where he met him in the weight room and all this kind of stuff. 
But at the end of the day, I think McCoy is at minimum, this is my opinion now, I don't know this, I'm not reporting this, but I think McCoy at minimum is going to be asked to take a pretty good haircut. He's going to be asked to take a bump. If you, you look know, at and, if you look at how their cap is structured right now, they, he has to. Yes, and it's not guaranteed. So, I mean, he's done it, not going to cost you anything against the cap if you cut him. Um, but he's $13 million. Your defensive and, and, line is taking up 30% of your cap. And while oh, I, I mo- think defensive line should take up a good chunk of your cap, that should be a place not, where you yeah. invest money. Yeah. But 30%? They had the highest uh, payroll for defensive line in the NFL last year, 50-something million yep. dollars. And, and right now they're number one for next year under contract. Now, yeah, free agency hasn't They'll hit and everything else yet, so we'll see how that Sure, I mean, look, out. you can, first of all, you know, you can lop off Will Golston, okay? There's, there's, he's under contract for a decent salary. He's not, you know, worth what he's being paid. Um, you know, there's a number of guys you could lose there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they paid Mitch Unrein this year. You know, he's coming off. I mean, he was on IR all year. So there, there's just there's different places to, to get the money yep. from, but you're going to have to replace those bodies somehow. Yeah. And don't forget, Quan and Alexander's not under contract either. So you're, he's you know, not. really, if Levante David's back, the only starting linebacker you have back next year. That's right. And Levante's like in year seven or eight himself. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is a, this is a, <laughs> he can say reload. If you want to, but it's a it's a refurbish at best. It's a renovation. It's a you know rebuild in a, in a, in the sense that you might have a shell or a foundation over there. I think you're rebuilding the defense. I think you're reloading the offense. I agree. I agree. The offense you just got to straighten out, Jameis. You you know, and that's not a small mm-hmm. task. And you've I got to get, get some more help on the line. You need offensive line. Look, the both. I mean, we all know that football is won in the trenches. And if this weekend proved anything, it's that. Um, you you win games up front. It's not the pitching and catching that's so tough. You know it, it's you know it's it's building an offensive and defensive line that can dominate. And the thing about Bowles is is that he's also going to pe- create huge pressure on his corners because he's all about bringing pressure. He's all about blitzing. He's all about you know cover zero and and you know cover one and stuff. You know where they're going to leave those corners on an island and. Those are young guys. Carlton Davis has shown he can play some man-to-man, but he's a young guy. MJ Stewart, you know, they have some experience from last year, um, but I wouldn't want to go into the season saying these are my two starting corners. We don't know what Vernon Hargraves is going to be when he comes back from his injury. Um, You know, Justin Evans had a down year even before he got hurt. He had one interception all season. Didn't make many plays on the ball. It's a new defense, remember, they're not used to playing this system. So the learning curve on offense may not be that great. You only have six defensive, defense. defensive backs under contract for next year. Yeah, There you go. you got four so, quarterbacks and two safeties under contract. I mean, yeah, you're going to need to get some help there, too. You can't even line up and play on Sunday with that. You yeah. know, that's not enough to play the game. You know, they found Andrew Adams and some guys like that. Okay, great. Um, but you're going to have to bring some guys in here that can absolutely play. And, you know, if you watch those playoff games today, you saw that's what the Saints did. You know what I mean? Like the Saints, and like him or not like him, he was struggling in New York, but they made the trade for Eli, Eli Apple. And Eli Apple made a big play. You know, he knocked the ball away. I mean, they, they, they hit on all their draft picks two years ago. Marcus Lattimore is a stud, you know. Um, you know, they, obviously they got, uh, you know, the, the running back who is phenomenal in Alvin Kamara. And then the right tackle. So I mean, they've they've hit on some guys, but they also went out and then fortified it, you know, with just a ton of great players and uh, in in free agency. They're going for it, and they should. And they're one game from playing in the Super Bowl. 
So, you know, that's what you do when you have a soon-to-be, I think tomorrow or today is Drew Brees' birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Drew Brees. You're 40 years old. The Bucks are not, you know, no matter what the optimism and the good feelings that a new coach brings and, and you know, all the pats on the back, and it is a good coaching staff, and I like their hires, and, you know, we can talk about their assistants and all of that. But at the end of the day, as Stephen A. would say, you have to, you know, have players. Like, players win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, the team with the – and I'm starting to do Madden. The, you know, the team with the best players are the ones that play the best and then they they win. So that's that's how it goes. I mean, that's that's what you – you know, it, it is about the, you know, the Jacks and the Joes or whatever. I mean, it's not it's not just, you know, here's my scheme and it's mm-hmm. going to work. Look, so, this coaching staff has their work cut out for them. But oh. I think they've got a good coaching staff that – Yeah, they do. Has a shot. Yeah, they do. They got a shot or they wouldn't be here. I mean, mm-hmm. Bruce Arians ain't coming out of retirement because he doesn't like sitting around his lake home in in, uh, in Georgia. I mean, he thinks he can win. And, you know, he got the band back together. It's it's really Cardinal South now. I mean, all these guys have coached with him before. And they're good coaches. And they've proven to be good coaches. And so I think this is one of the best staffs they've had. And I'm not going to exaggerate since John Gruden was here. I mean, mm-hmm. John inherited the entire defensive staff with Monty Kiffin and Rod Marinelli and those guys. And I think this one, you know, sort of rivals that in a sense. Um, I wouldn't say that about, you know, Raheem Morris or Greg Schiano or Lovey Smith or any of those guys or even Dirk Cutter. I liked some of Dirk Cutter's staff, especially on offense. Wasn't a fan of his defensive staff, I can tell you that. So, you know, I, I think this is an upgrade. But you got to have players. And to have Deshaun Jackson on this football team, let alone, you know, with some of the you know, like I, the thing about Deshaun, I've known him since he was before he was a rookie. My wife, full, you know, did media training for him. He was represented by DeBarlo and all that. And I like Deshaun as a person. Um, he's got some really good qualities. He does a lot charity wise. Um, I think he wants to win. I think he gets frustrated when they're not winning, and he hasn't been with a winning program in quite a while, really since his early days with the Eagles. And so he's, he feels his time clock ticking, and, and he hates to be stuck in a losing program. But, you know, no one does. Um, but you got to be a professional about it. And at times he has not been professional. Um, and to think that, you know, with the needs on this football team, you're going to pay $10 million to a 32-year-old uh, who doesn't want to be here and has made it clear to you that he doesn't want to be here, I don't care who's coaching him. You know, you, you could bring in Bill Belichick, which may be where he wants to go. Um, to the Patriots next year who knows but we'll see if they get a draft pick I think they're playing this right they have to it's the only way they can play it is to say hey let's get the player back in the fold and if he doesn't play for us there might be a market for him depending on what happens elsewhere so that's what's going on with Deshaun I mentioned we talked to some of the assistant coaches Todd Bowles obviously uh, was one of them you know Harold Goodwin was was very good in talking about you know one of the things that, that goes over shouldn't go overlooked is that Bruce Arians is the only coach, I believe, I know this year, or at least in the NFL, that has all three coordinators are minority coaches. And they're good coaches, so let's not get too hung up on the fact that they're minorities. But in the NFL now, with only two uh, African-American head coaches out of 32, that number has gotten noticed. And, you know, the way you become a head coach is hopefully you get put in positions of authority, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, even position coaches should get the opportunity to interview for head coaching jobs. You know, Goodwin talked about, 
what that meant, you know, for, for Bruce Arians to, uh, to do that and to, you know, be open-minded enough, as he has always been throughout his life, um, to have three African-Americans as coordinators. I just think about, I don't know if you guys saw that documentary on uh, what football life on the NFL Network, and I think it had something to do with the way he was raised. Um, I think uh, from his parents to being at Virginia Tech, I think becoming like best friends with Rondé and Tiki's father, uh, and, and I think they still have a great relationship to, you know, how he treated his players at Temple, just how he loves on people. He doesn't care where you came from, what color you are. I think that makes him an amazing person. And, uh, you know, how many head coaches can say in the National Football League, their three coordinators are minorities? And we had the same thing in Arizona, uh, except special teams at the time. But to say we got three on one staff, including myself, with assistant head coach, I mean, that's phenomenal, especially with the climate now in the NFL. The other interesting uh, assistant is Keith Armstrong. Here's a guy that was with the Atlanta Falcons for the last 10 years. And what that means is he was there for the reverse of the curse of Matt Bryant because it was 10 years ago that the Bucks decided to cut Matt Bryant and that started their kicking woes, to be quite honest with you. And so, you know, while Matt Bryant was making like 88 point, I don't know, 7% or so of his kicks, you know, the Bucks were struggling along with about 10% less of that and 11 missed extra points since they changed the rules. So Keith Armstrong um, – was a player for Bruce Arians as so many of his assistants were either played or coach with him. He became a graduate assistant coach at Temple and, and then his coaching career launched from there. And he had it, he actually had Matt Bryan. He was a special teams coach at, with the Miami dolphins for a while. And Linda Mari got hurt. Matt Bryan came in as a fill in, did a good job. And then when Mari came back, you know, Brian ended up in Tampa Bay. Uh, and, you know, he talked about how whether he wondered if he kept the right guy or Linda Mari or if he should have gone back to Matt Bryant. But anyway, he ended up getting Bryant, and Bryant has been spectacular. Now, he's not going to get Matt Bryant in Tampa, as far as I know, even though Matt's still kicking at, what, age like 42 or so. Um, but, you know, he, he does have to find a kicker and end this nonsense that's gone on here all these years. You know, Cairo Santos is a free agent. There's a possibility they could try to re-sign him. Doesn't have the strongest legs, certainly for kickoffs, but you know was was a guy that missed only two field goals when they uh, had him down the stretch here in Tampa. Um, but the interesting thing in talking to Armstrong was, you know, look, there's a lot of guys that can kick the ball, kick it a ton. You know, like he said, you can go to these high school camps and you got guys kicking it over the fence. But what is that trait? What is that thing that you need to be successful? I mean, these guys don't teach c- kicking, obviously. Um, but but they do study the player and their makeup. And that's where Armstrong talked about what he, he regards as the most important trait for a special teams uh, specialist. When you look at the three guys that I had in Atlanta, Josh Harris was a wrestler. So, to me, toughness. So you say, well, why a wrestler? Well, did you ever wrestle before? <laughs> they're, they're tough people. They're mentally tough people. So physically and mentally tough people. Uh, Matt Bosher. You know, when I, when I bought Matt Bosher in from the University of Miami, Matt Bosher was a, was a, uh, a punter that, that the union. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The story about him was he's a soccer player, but Matt Bosher was getting in fights in the locker room. Bingo. <laughs> My man. You, know? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I want to talk to him. Nah, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to go away from that guy. I can, I can deal with that. You know what I mean? So when you, so toughness. So when you go to Matt Bryant, you know, so now you get to Matt and you say, okay, Matt, what, what's, the, what's the one thing that jumps out about Matt? Matt's tough and he's he not afraid of the moment. And I think that's what you have to, to, to answer your question. You've got to look for toughness in your specialists. They've got to be tough. Um, and I tell those guys, don't bother trying to be a part of the team. Don't try to, don't try to fit in with the team. You got, but you got to, you, this is your area, stay in your area, but you got to do your job and the team will come to you. Don't try to chase the team, make the team come to you. You know what I mean? So, um, and, and that's how I've kind of had success, but you've got to find the, it's not just the leg. There's a lot of guys that can kick a ball. There's a ton of guys. Well, you go to some of these high school camps and guys are blowing the ball over the fence. You're like, wow. You know what I mean? So, okay, so let's do it for a thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? Just, just, just to put some stake, you know, okay, now there's a result. Now what starts to happen? So you, you've got to really look at the group uh, of guys coming out and, and, and really, that's one of the traits. You're going to, obviously, the consistency with the technique and the consistency of the ball uh, placement on the field goals and, and uh, with the punting and all that type of stuff. Yes, no question about it. Uh, the skill set, all right, and can, how much can he improve? But I think the biggest difference but to me over the years, when you look at Jason Elam, Okay, Michael Keenan, who was in Atlanta with me before, all right, and Matt Bryant, who I had at Miami, then Matt came here, then Matt and I got together again in Atlanta. And the reason why I, I, uh, I took Matt, because when Lindo Mari came back at Miami, okay, and then we finished the season, and I'm sitting there saying, huh, did we keep the right guy? You know, then he come, Bryant comes up here. So as soon as we went to Atlanta and Bryant was let go here, I, bam, went right in getting him. And he's the, he's the right guy. Um, so the, the mindset with people, uh, the toughness, the mental toughness and the moment, not being afraid of the moment, you know, and, and Matt's words, you know, every kick is always the same. You know, so whether it's the PAT in the first quarter or if it's the 23-yarder in the second or if it's a game winner, it's the same ball all the time. So um, I think once, once you find that, that person that can deal with that type of, uh, of a mentality, then you're, you usually find, you've probably found your guy. So it's not necessarily the prettiest one. It's the toughest. Speaking of great kickers, did you see Adam Vinatieri at 46 years old over the weekend, had a rough weekend for the Colts in the playoffs. And that may be the end of his career. You know, it could. I mean, you know, Venetieri is going to the Hall of Fame, I think, because of the big kicks he made. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely he is. And the, and the longevity. But do you know, did you know the rest of the story? He, percentage-wise, not that great in the playoffs. Um, as a, you know, where, where kicking has gone today, he would not be considered among the top I don't know, ten or fifteen. Like he's he's down in I think in the low low eighties. And kickers now, of course, are, you know, mid to upper mm-hmm. in the playoffs. But 
yeah, not not a good day. Missed a field goal left, then missed an extra point to the right. Um, didn't look good doing it. And the funny thing is, it was such bad weather and the snow. And all you all you can think about is, what if Adam Benatieri had missed that kick in the Tuck Roll game? Mm-hmm. How would how would the Patriots' legacy have been different? For that matter, the Bucks' legacy because John Gruden would have gone. I was going to say the Raiders the would have been completely different too. They could have been in the AFC Championship game. Maybe they never trade John Gruden as a result of that, right? They could have gone on and won a Super Bowl because they were very, very good. Mm-hmm. Maybe the legend of, of the Patriots and Tom Brady doesn't get started as quickly. Um, but, yeah, Venetieri still kicking at age, what, 46? Yep. I want to say. Um, you're right. He could be – that could be it for him. I mean, it really could be. We'll see. I mean, I, I think the Colts would be okay having him back, but, you know, who's to say? I mean, all that's got to be decided. But, but boy – Let's start with that uh, over the weekend, that Kansas City uh, game. I was so impressed. You know, first of all, I mean, if you've ever played or you know, been to a game in Kansas City, it is can't you know there are certain places in the NFL that are loud. The fans are all great, and there's a lot of great fans in the NFL. Let me just say that in Kansas City, it's insane. They're insane. They they they, they tailgate like nobody's business, and it doesn't matter the weather. And it was a blizzard out there. I mean, it was snowing sideways, man. I don't know how many inches in some parts of Missouri and whatever they had, like 10, 12 inches. But on top of that, um, they all wear jerseys. Every one of them are there. They're like Pittsburgh that way, where everyone has a Kansas City Chiefs jersey, over, usually oversized. It's over a coat of some kind. And then on top of that, they don't sit for the games, folks. Those fans you see, they're standing the entire game. I mean the entire game. They do not sit down. They scream. They yell. And they stand, and that's during a regular season. They do that, so they're, they're just incredibly passionate fans. And it was loud. Um, disappointed, man, in the Indianapolis Colts. I thought they could run the ball a little bit. Thought that was the team everyone didn't want to face in the playoffs. Yeah, and like we've always said, right about wild card teams. You know, you get this bounce from the wild card winners. Like, ooh, I wouldn't want to face Philly. Wouldn't want to face Indy. Wouldn't want to face. You forget that the teams that stayed home, the reason they didn't have to play is they're better, mm-hmm. and sometimes way better. And I thought that was the case with Kansas City. I was impressed with Patrick Mahomes because for a kid, and I mean a young guy, second year in the NFL, probably going to be the most valuable player with 50 touchdowns. But he didn't look nervous a bit. Nope. He zung it around just like he always did in bad weather, uh, a little bit windy, cold. You know, the football's a little harder. Didn't seem to bother him. Didn't seem to phase him. Ran for a touchdown. And that was, you know, that was a big thing. I mean, I thought that Indianapolis's defense – did not come to play. I mean, they shredded them pretty easily, especially uh, running the football when they wanted to. Tyreek Hill was amazing, and they just have so much explosive players. But the difference was their defense. I didn't expect Kansas City's defense, which has not been one of the top defenses all year, um, to just shut down Andrew Luck. I mean, they got so much pressure on them. I don't know how many balls they batted down, like four, five, six balls, um, you know, sacked them a few times, uh, hit them a whole bunch. So, impressive win i thought for the chiefs it was and it's you know it's going to be fun to see new england have to go in there next next weekend oh uh, a rematch of a game that was played early in the season in new england that the patriots pulled out late yeah and why since you mentioned new england we'll just go ahead and skip to that game that was on sunday man i i kind of i kind of felt this is the way it was going to go but i didn't expect it to go this quickly First time Tom Brady has led his team to a touchdown in the first three possessions in the playoffs. And think about all the playoff games. He's played like 38, 40 playoff games. So he managed to do that. So they got up on him so fast. I mean, they, 
pretty much could do anything they wanted to uh, against against the L.A. Chargers. And I thought the um, Chargers were going to take this one. I thought this was the year they finally had the roster, and, and they had a better record than New England. Not that that means you're a better team, but right. You know, they just happen to be in the same division as the Chiefs. Sure. But I, I thought this was the year Rivers finally had the talent around him, and they had a good enough defense to compete. But, you know, it, well, when, you, when you start questioning Brady and Belichick, they tend to prove you wrong almost every time. Yeah, and they've never, you know, look, they don't lose at home. I mean, the Chargers had not lost on the road this year, which was remarkable because they had to come east a whole bunch, including to Baltimore last week, right? So they they had that going for them. I think the Patriots have won their last now 16 Wait a minute, didn't games the Chargers play like 16 road games? Doesn't it feel like that for them? Well, yeah, because they're <laughs> not in San Diego anymore. So, yeah, it is essentially that. But in the Eastern time zone, I mean, they, they came east a bunch of times this year. Uh, including last week, and they had to go back and then come back east again, which, you know, you're playing at the equivalent of 10 a.m., you know, as far as your body clock goes and all that, and, and they didn't wake up until the game was over. And by that time, they were they were headed back home. But, um, you know, I, I know Rivers was frustrated. He got on the referees. They did miss some calls. Like one time they had a, a false start, and a guy decked him, and he's looking at the ref like, wait a minute, you just can't come in here and plow me just because you didn't hear the whistle, you know. Um, so that should have been a roughing the passer. And they got off to a slow start. And, I mean, when you give up three touchdowns on the first three possessions and you go in at halftime down by almost four scores, they, they think it's over. I mean, you know, they, they came back and made it respectable as far as the score goes. Um, but that game was never competitive. It wasn't. It wasn't. And, and now you get, you know, the GOAT, Brady, and Belichick going into Kansas City against the young stud, Patrick Mahomes. You know, could he become the next – you know Brady and dominate the league for years to come with the, I mean, you know, with the great be. the great offensive coach and Andy Reid. I mean, but let me just say this: like I always do these confidence picks, like in my mind, okay. And if I said to you, and, and you know, the big thing is 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 a couple things here because Las Vegas will be all over this. Like, I don't think that I think I'm right about this that the Patriots have not advanced to the Super Bowl without winning at home, like by doing it by winning a championship game on the road. I don't think they've done that. I believe you're correct. Um, so, so this would be a first, which when you th- consider they've been to eight, right? So um, th- that, that history is not on their side. However, if I did confidence picks and I said, Brady Belichick, Reed Mahomes. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Coach quarterback in a big game. I mean, Andy has played in this game. Well, he did it four times with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, it's the first time I think the Chiefs have ever hosted an AFC championship game, I believe. Definitely um, an Arrowhead history. I'm not sure – if they had back one going back before, to but Arrowhead seventy two, uh, yeah, it's definitely so, the first in Arrowhead history. So I mean, you know, so and then we know Andy has been to one Super Bowl despite you know all those trips uh, to the championship game with the Eagles. Not not known as a big game, you know, coach and kind of falls down with timeouts and different things at times. I just think that Belichick with a young quarterback facing him. Um, and this is a unique talent. I mean, look, Mahomes does some stuff that's just freakishly good, the way he throws off balance. And But don't you think for one game he's going to create problems for him? Oh, he is. But Belichick has a really good secondary, too. One of the best in the NFL. As he far does. As, um, and, you know, he'll come up with some scheme that will, I'm not going to say stop Mahomes, but limit him or take something Mahomes he's wants to do take away. away. I mean, he'll take right, something away. Yeah, he's taking away something that he that that is their bread and butter. Whatever it is, he's going to make them do something else. So, it'll be it'll be an interesting contest. Although, Kansas City is favored by three in that game. Are they? Uh, well, that's okay. So that's a home field. Basically, the yeah, home field is the difference. Yes. Yep. 
Um, now, did you hear Brady after the game, the nonsense he was spewing? Would he say, everybody thinks we suck? <laughs> Wait a minute. Who thinks you suck? They love to play the role of the underdog. I mean, come on. You can't say that. You've got five rings, man. You've been in the Super Bowl eight times. This is like the 14 out of 15 years you've, you've been in this AFC championship game or something ridiculous like that. I can't. I don't even know what it is, but, like, I mean, come on. Nobody thinks you suck. I mean, they may think it sucks that you're in this game, and it'll <laughs> suck if you go back to the, to the Super Bowl because they're tired of seeing your ass. But other than that, nobody thinks you suck. Um, quite the opposite, as a matter of fact. And so, you know, uh, Brady was brilliant. Look, and, of course, I love Gus Bradley, who used to coach with the Bucs. He's now their defensive coordinator, right? And he was in Seattle. He didn't play the Seattle defense, though. He played the old Tampa 2. And let me just tell you, when you sit back in a soft zone against Brady and you can't get pressure rushing four, he's going to do exactly what he did to you, which is to shred you. Uh, and But they ran the ball very, very well. Sonny Michelle had a great game. I mean, they were all over them. They could do whatever they wanted to. They dominated in time of possession. I mean, you know, really, by the time Phillip Rivers got the ball, um, they were done. You know, they, they there was no chance of coming back. So, you know, just, just the fast start by the Patriots was terrific. But this will be a really, really good game. To me, that's that's going to be – I mean, both these championship games are great because you got the one and two seeds in both games. I think you got the best teams in there for sure. Um, the other game on the weekend, of course, we had two more, uh, the Rams and the Cowboys, the Rams went 30 to 22. Of course they were up, uh, what, 20 to seven, I think at halftime. This one was surprising to me in that the Cowboys defense, uh, got run over. And I mean, literally run over, you know, CJ Anderson, which by the way, he looks like he swallowed the old CJ Anderson. I mean, this guy, <laughs> Man, I mean, you got to give him credit. Big guy can still run. I mean, he still put it up, and he had well over 100 yards and had, had more than even Todd Gurley, but they both went over 100. Um, he's bounced around with three different teams, but, you know, Gurley was a little nicked up, so you didn't know exactly what we were going to get from him. So um, he, did, he did a heck of a job, and they, they just they dominated on the offensive line. I read a story where um, they had done some some film study and some things and, and, and picked up some things about the Cowboys and their defensive line and the twists and the stunts, some tips, as, as every team does on film, and that, that certainly helped them. Dak Prescott played, I thought, okay. I, I thought maybe he would be the difference where, you know, he may not he may struggle, but I thought their offense was all right. But defensively, man, the Rams just beat them beat them up front. So uh, they're the number two seed. They go, to New, they go to New Orleans, and that's because the Saints came from behind to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles jump out 14 to nothing on the first two possessions. The first pass of the day is Drew Brees trying to go downfield to Ted Ginn Jr. and it's intercepted, and that started the Eagles off, and Nick Foles was St. Nick there early, uh, and you thought, uh-oh, this could be a tough day. But then Sean Payton changed, I thought, the whole tenor of the game with that fake punt um, and, and just created sort of a spark that they needed. Uh, to get them going and, and, and get them on the board, 14 to 10 at halftime. Uh, then they come out and have just a incredibly, was it like the longest drive, I think, in playoff history? 11 minutes and 29 seconds. So they're running that 11, oh. 11.30 offense. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's do the 11.30 offense with about four penalties that we'll, we'll have mixed in there. Um, they go down for a touchdown. And then, you know, of course, uh, the Eagles still um, had a chance because – uh, Will Lutz uh, missed miss the field goal, and they get the ball near midfield, and they're driving, and then a ball just goes right to Alshon Jeffries off his hands. Uh, Should have caught the ball, intercepted, and that's pretty much that was all she wrote. So, 
Uh, the Saints advanced barely, twenty to fourteen. Not not their best game. They looked a little awkward. I thought on on offense. I thought they were a little because if you remember, the Saints had clinched probably earlier than anybody, mm-hmm. and so their last game they didn't even play half their starters. I mean, you know, yeah, so it's been three weeks since Breeze played. Yeah, so they they looked they looked out of sync. They really did. But man, Michael Thomas, what a stud! Yeah, he's pretty good. That dude. I mean, he had one hundred twenty five catches on the year. One hundred and twenty five. For 1,400 yards, he set a Saints record, and they've had some receivers. He goes 12 catches for 171 yards and a TD, and these were contested balls for the most part. Um, Drew Brees throws, for again, for 301, a couple of touchdowns. So um, they they move on, and, and playing in that building, it's going to be very, very loud. It's going to be hard for the Rams to function. Um, the noise is absolutely going to be a factor. You'll see how Jared Goff handles, um, you know, still a young quarterback being in that environment. Um, I think this is going to be a really close game. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the Saints. I'm telling you, there's something about them. Towards the end of the year, they've lost a little bit of swagger on offense. You know, their defense is actually what's been keeping them in it. I was going to say, if their defense it, plays that well, though, oh yeah, they'll beat anybody. I mean, they. I mean, after those first two drives, they. I mean, Philadelphia didn't score. You know, I mean, it was impressive. They shut them down and. Uh, you know, so if the Saints can play like that on defense against the Rams, I think the Rams might have a little tougher time, but they're going to have to play the run. Obviously, the Rams are going to come in there trying to run the ball, take the crowd out of it as much as they can, try to stay ahead of the sticks because if you fall behind, that's when they get all revved up and uh, and they absolutely can cause trouble. But they're going to play their style, and, and their style is man-to-man. So, you know, Jared Goff and uh, you know is going to have some opportunities to make plays. Sean McVay is going to try to exploit that. Um, down the field, uh, he's got a lot of aggressive tendencies in his play calling. So that should be a hell of a game. I mean, that one, and it's a rematch. You know, I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think the Saints did. Was that game in New Orleans? It was in New Orleans. Year? Yeah, I think they yeah. they won by like it might have been even ten points, but it was a good game. But it was a good game. It was yeah, a very it was good back game. and forth, high scoring. I think so. You can kind very of anticipate scoring, that. Yes. Yeah. So. I'll, I, I'm not going to make my picks just yet. I do have some some feelings about it, but I think I'm going to wait. Until we get later in the week, and then we'll kind of kind of dial this back. And uh, one correction: sort of uh, New England did win two AFC Championship games in Pittsburgh. They did. That's right. Okay. The one season, the 4 season. They won the wow. They won in Pittsburgh both those years to go to the, on to the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. So that so they've done it twice, but not since 4 So it's yep. been been a minute. Been like what 14, That's 14 years, seasons? Yeah, 14 years. Yeah. So they're trying to do something they haven't done in more than a decade. So that'll be. Look, I, I like Andy Reid. I think it'd be great to see him back in another Super Bowl. What what he's done with Kansas City, I mean, with Mahomes being the young upstart against Tom Brady, that's a good storyline. You could have Brady and Breeze, two of the oldest quarterbacks to face each other in a Super Bowl. Um, that would be interesting to me, uh, even though people are tired of Tom Brady. I get that. Um, and then, you know, I mean, the Rams have been a good story all along. We're not going to have L.A.L.A., though, since, uh, since the Chargers are out of it. So that, that can't happen. So, yeah, we're down to, what, one, two, three more games in the NFL season? Three more games of football, period. Well, unless you count the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I don't count the Pro Bowl. Yeah, me neither. Or the Senior Bowl or the East-West Shrine game. All those things are coming up. But, yeah, no, three more games in the NFL season, and then uh, and then we're done. Finally, last but not least, the team that is winning locally, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, just find ways. They On Saturday night, they, they fell behind. Uh, this was a good, you know, this is a good Buffalo team. It's hard. I would think it's a hard place to win up there, especially the way they've been playing this year. Mm-hmm. And well, they lost two to um, one earlier this year up there. 
Right. And this one, they fell behind. What was it? Two, uh, two to nothing? Well, they were up one nothing. Then they were down they were two to one. one tied two to it one, at two. Okay. And then they fell down three to two in the third and ended up winning five to three. Steven Stamkos with the go-ahead goal, I believe. He had the game-winning goal. Kucherov had the, uh, the tying goal to make it 3-3 on a nice steal from Stamkos along the wall. Right. And Ryan Callahan so, gets the late goal to give the insurance. I mean, they, and they just find ways, and that's what Stamkos said after the game. I guess John Cooper wasn't happy with the first period, said nothing to his team, and said, you know, there's going to be times when they got to figure it out. And they did figure it out. And then they go to a back-to-back uh, against the Newark Islanders, and – what happens in a hockey season happened. Steve, they laid an egg. They did not play well in any phase. Definitely in the first five minutes they didn't when they gave up three goals, including one power play goal. On five shots, yeah. I think. So, yeah. yeah, you're down 3 nothing. You hadn't registered a shot yet. You're down 3 nothing. Yeah. Uh, by the end of the game, I thought they played better later in the game, uh, but you were already down you know, 4 sure. nothing, and then it was 4-1. Uh, Victor Hedman, though, leaves the game with an upper body injury. Never like to yeah. see that. Never want to see him. Leave the ice. Not come back. Yeah, he's a tough guy, and if he could come back, he would. Um, I, I don't, well, been... I mean, you know, look, when, at this point of the season with Lightning where they're at, if a player leaves injured, there's no need to bring him back. True. Unless it's, unless it's really minor and doesn't mean it. I mean, you know, you can afford to send him out for the rest of the game. And you were already down at that point 4 nothing, or four. Yeah. It may have been 4-1 when he went four out. 4-1, one. One. yeah. You know, at that point, with a period to go, even if he could have come back, just sit him. Yeah. Well, and you know they 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 pulled Vasilevsky with ten minutes to go for that same reason. Why expose the guy to potential injury or more goals or something when you you know the game is pretty much at hand, um, and you've got to coach. You know, for the I mean, you're coaching for the postseason. They have such a uh, substantial lead. What was you What did you say? How many points have they gotten out of, the, of a possible last? Well, they had gotten thirty seven of the last possible forty points going into the game. They were eighteen one and one. That's insane, man. Eighteen one and one. I mean, geez, it's a special year, and they're a special team. And if they if they can manage to stay healthy, I think they're going to do things. And, and that's what they're all pointed to right now. But we're still – this all-star break is creeping up, but it's getting here slowly. Goodness. Yeah, they've got like – well, it's, it's – I mean, coming real quick, you've got your bye, and then the, the – you've got three games left – or what, three games left till you get your bye, and then the all-star breaks. You're going to have 10 days off after that. So you're at yeah. Dallas on Tuesday – then you're home against Toronto and San Jose Thursday and Saturday, and then you've got about a 10-day break. Yeah. Well, they're going to need it, uh, those that aren't going to the All-Star game because they've got a bunch of them that are. Um, some other news uh, in the NFL. Um, Todd Munkin, the former Bucks offensive coordinator, had a bunch of interviews for head coaching jobs. Uh, from all uh, external reports, anyway, media reports, he impressed a lot of people in his interviews. He interviewed, I think, at Green Bay and then with the Bengals and also with the New York Jets. Uh, and because of that, the word gets around. Of course, you know, he was the offensive coordinator and did call plays for all but one game uh, that the Bucks don't want to remember against the Washington Redskins and did very, very well. So, Todd Munkin going to the Cleveland Browns as their offensive coordinator. Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. Yeah. Goes from Jameis to Baker. Um, another Heisman Trophy winner, uh, a guy that did very, very well as a rookie. You know, Cleveland has Freddie Kitchens as their – you know, what, what I don't understand about it just yet is – you know, Kitchens is the guy that uh, was the offensive coordinator um, and then became the head coach. So I don't know what control he'll have on the play calling, whether he's going to let Todd do it. I would assume that Todd had options. I can't imagine that he would go necessarily to another to a place where he's not going to call the plays. Um, and, you know, based on how he did last year, I would think you'd want him to. But we know he's good with young quarterbacks. I think he'll be great with Baker Mayfield. I also don't think that he's going to be in Cleveland very long. I, I really think that Munkin – um, 
got his name out there, has done some things. If he follows that up with Baker Mayfield and they have a good year at all with the Browns, I think you'll see him in this next round of, uh, of you know head coaches maybe being hired, especially if some of these offensive guys do well and the trend continues on offense, um, which seems to be which which is the way they're going. Uh, so, yeah, so congratulations to Todd Munkin. He was a, a good guy to cover. Um, I thought he did a good job here with the wide receivers. And, uh, you know, look, I mean, that's just the nature of the NFL. He's going to coach a long time. And uh, so he'll be, in, he'll be in Cleveland. Of course, you got Dirk Cutter's going to be in Atlanta as their offensive coordinator. I really thought Dirk was ready to hang him up and not coach again. But, you know, these guys get opportunities and offers, and um, it's going back to a place he's familiar with in Atlanta where he's lived before. So maybe that makes sense. So we'll, we'll see as the Bucks still – they're still forming some of their coaching staff. Um, you know, I know they're still waiting on the defensive line coaching situation to see, you know, exactly what's going to shake out there. Um, but we'll be on top of that. We also, you know, at some point we'll probably hear from Jameis Winston. I don't know exactly when he's going to surface, but we'll, um, you know, we'll certainly see what his take is on Bruce Arians. And um, then you've got, uh, you know, you just got the coaches coming back and, and they're going to get into the film study. Most of these guys haven't really done that with this team. They haven't really got broken down last year's season to try to figure out who they're going to keep, who they're not going to keep. And, again, going back to Deshaun Jackson, I just – I suppose that's the right move to take right now. I just don't know that it's going to end up that way. But they got other decisions to make. They got time to make it, though, because we're still a long way from March. And, uh, you know, the talks will go on with uh, with different players that are still free agents, whether it's Adam Humphreys or Quan Alexander. I mean, those discussions are still happening. Maybe even with Jameis. Who knows? Maybe they're talking to Jameis about doing something with his contract so that it won't cost them $21 million. But I wouldn't think that if I'm him, I'm going to give away any of that. Because, you know, the options are, okay, put me out there and I'm a free agent and I'll move on. So I can't see him uh, taking less money. So lots to talk about this week. It's going to be a busy week as always. We'll get you ready for uh, the NFC and the AFC championship games. So you want to make sure that you join us. And, and also, remember, if you would like to advertise, if you have a new business, it's a new year. We're looking for new customers all the time. And people are doing very well advertising with this podcast, which is growing by leaps and bounds. So you can uh, always... Um, you know, give us a, a holler here by reaching us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Love to have you part of the team. And uh, I think uh, think you'll be very happy with uh, with the results you have. So make sure you, uh, you check that out as well. So I hope you had a great weekend, a lot of football. Um, we'll be checking in with the Bucks, of course, as I said. And for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Monday, everybody. 